listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, for Thanksgiving this year, we're celebrating by giving you one of the most requested episodes. Yeah, y'all been waiting for it. It's books about magical food. Bria's expertise. Something close to my heart. (laughs) (laughs) But first, what are you reading, Bria? I finished a book last night that would fall into a lot of reader wheelhouses. It is The Lost Girls by Sonia Hartle. I want to read this. There's Okay, it's a little confusing. There's quite a few books called The Lost Girls, so make sure you're getting this one. But this one is a bit of, um, everyone's going to have to excuse me. I have a little bit of a, a cold, so I'm, I'm stopped up, and I can hear it. Um, it's basically... It's about it's about vampires, teen vampires. There's a queer storyline, so people are gonna love that. And it's a it it starts with a girl who um, is a vampire, and her boyfriend who turned her a long time ago in the eighties um, uh, just broke up with her. And the thing about vampires in this book is that you they can go outside. They they do have to drink blood, but they can you know be around garlic. It's not the same as. Uh, uh, you know, it's not it's not traditional vampire lore, uh, but they do they live forever and um, they're stuck looking like however they looked when they died. And so, for the main character, like she focuses on this one part of her knee where, that she missed shaving that she's never going to be able to get, and her hair is all crimped because she died in the eighties. Um, That's hilarious. And and basically, what happens is that these other women who also were turned by the same guy come find her, Ooh. one from the eighteen hundreds and one from the fifties, and they're like, "We have a revenge plan." It's pretty oh good. Oh my God, this sounds amazing. Yeah, it's really fun. It's I literally fun. just wanted to read this based on the cover because I saw Alex Brown reviewing it for Tor. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but it looks really cool and I want to read it. Yeah, I think it just came out. Um, but it's very entertaining. I think the glassers would really dig it. Uh, what are you reading, Mallory? Uh, now we are finally into the great new release rush of at the end of the year where you and I frantically read a bunch of 2021 releases trying to uh, put together our best of the year list. Um, so I'm fine. I'm finally reading a book that um, I've been saving. It came out in June, I think, and I forget why I, I, I was saving it, but um, it's by an author that I love, Kristen Arnett. It's with teeth. Uh, she wrote Mostly Dead Things, which um, came out a couple of years ago and was our, yeah, you love on my book. Yeah, I love that book so much. And this is also really, really good. It's about um, these two married women in Florida. They have this like really crappy kid. And it's all about this like they're very... their family stresses and it's like a family drama and they have all these extra problems because their kid is like a nightmare child. But the main character is so set on making sure that people think that their family's wonderful because they're like, they're a gay couple and there's extra pressure on them mm. to, you know, make seem like a perfect little family, especially since they're raising a son. Um, but things are anything but perfect. Her wife is very distant. She's the one who like, who travels for work. She's not there all the time. And the main character, she's the one who's like stay at home and takes care of the kid full time. And all the like the weird hijinks she gets up into with Florida um, and like starting to like drink secretly and lizards everywhere. It's just like a very Florida book. It's um, right in your wheelhouse. Wheelhouse. 
<laughs> you know, I love a Florida book. Um, and yeah, it's really, really good. It's very, very compelling. I literally like opened it up and accidentally read half of it the other night because I just was like, I could not stop reading it. She's so fun. Kristen Arnett is so funny and so compelling and so good at telling very, very complicated family stories mixed with like great queer uh, queer characters. So I think a lot of Glassers will really like this and it's just absolutely fantastic. So that's With Teeth by Kristen Arnett. Do you feel like there's a lot of teeth books right now? Books yes, teeth, teeth are hot. Which teeth are really makes hot. makes me excited. I love teeth. <laughs> I get so excited about teeth. So yes. Uh, mine is The Lost Girls by Sonia Hartle. Uh, So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Beth wrote in saying, I recently realized that listening to your podcast has subtly shifted my attitude towards my TBR pile. I also love the BookBuddy app. Yes, my best friend, BookBuddy. And I have a TBR tag. Now when I finish a book, I don't look at my TBR as a terrifying pile of things I have to get through, but rather a buffet full of options. I sift through my TBR looking at what I might be in the mood to read next. Uh, if I'm not enjoying the book that I'm reading, I put it down and try something else. Thanks for everything you do. And I can't wait to read girly drinks. Cheers, Beth. But my middle name is Sarah. <laughs> wow. That's, that's great. This is the goal of the show. This yes, is what we absolutely. want. We want people to not view that TBR pile as some sort of monster waiting to like jump out and grab you. No, it's like a man. I mean, it's funny that we're doing this, talking about this in the magical food episode, because we want you to think of it as like Willy Wonka's factory, you dancing through your TBR and plucking out whatever looks good to you. It's not, uh, we don't want you to look at it as homework. It, it's fun. Yeah. So Charity writes in and says, I just discovered your podcast through a recommendation of a friend this year. I spent a month listening to multiple podcasts a day to get caught up on cur- to current episodes. Wow, thank you. Now the highlight of my week is Thursday when a new episode shows up on my phone. I'm getting ready to graduate with my master's degree in library and information science from the University of Denver. Wow, we're excited Hell about yeah. that. Um, and one of my classes is a children's materials and services course. This course has reignited my love of children's books. And I am writing today to let you know I've discovered is children's book week. Wow. And that is celebrated two times a year, May 3rd through 9th, and then November 8th through 14th. And this year, the theme is reading is a superpower. It has a wonderful poster and so many free activities planned. Lots of challenges that even adults might compete in like a children's book just to stay in touch with what is currently popular. I'm including a couple of links if you want to check it out. And we will put those in our show notes. That's so cute. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Reading is a superpower. Is a really, really great theme. Yeah. Um, so I also wanted to let you know that someone at my Des Moines Public Library must be a big Reading Glasses fan because they've created a book it plan for the month of November for Whoa. grownups. And if you read 30 minutes a day for the whole month, you can sign up in the drawing for a pizza from a wonderful local pizza place called Gusto's Pizza. Of course, 30 minutes a day is no problem for me because I already spend at least an hour or two reading every day. Wow. My reading... Uh, so Charity's Reading a Real House is Romance, Not Too Risqué, Bonus if There's a Cowboy on the cover, <laughs> Ireland, Highlanders, uh, Sisters, Family Stories, Amish Romance, Stories at the Beach, Sci-Fi Where the Character Has Magic or is a Shapeshifter, Holiday Stories, p- t- Particular Soft Spot for Christmas Romances. Bookmark, I picked up girly drinks from the library that I had requested. This is just like... When we get fan mail like this, it's like a little party. It's first, like first of all, I love that Charity had uh, her own bookmark. That's very funny. <laughs> I'm like, just 
amazing. This is so, so cool. We love uh, get, hearing from people like this and also great, uh, great wheelhouse. I feel like we should do a reading glasses book club with Amish romance. I was literally going to say the same thing. I, these people, so somebody needs to write in and tell us what your favorite Amish romance is because I feel like we're just like not equipped to pick it. So we need yes. someone else to tell us so we can all read one together. Yeah, I think we should do that. I think it'd be really fun. Yeah. Uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And a quick bookmark from me, uh, I am going to be at San Diego this week. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con is happening at a smaller, safer capacity. And I'm going to be there. I'm doing a panel on Friday uh, on storytelling across media. And then Saturday, I'm interviewing author Sam Maggs for her spotlight. Uh, oh, it's gonna be really, really. It's gonna be really, really fun. Uh, I'm doing signings both days, so if you're going to San Diego, please come by. Uh, I have the, all the information on my website. I'll put uh, that link in the show notes. I would love to see some glassers there. So before we talk about magical food books, we're gonna take a quick break. So everyone is going home for the holidays connecting with people. But when you're going home, don't text your crappy ex. We know everyone has that uh, desire. Don't do it. So tempting. You, what you should, so tempting. And we get it. This is the time of year where you want to reconnect. You might be uh, thinking about romance, but don't text your crappy ex. Don't He's not it. worth it. She's not worth it. They're not worth it. No. Get Dipsy instead. Yeah. Ooh, what a great idea, Mallory. What is Dipsy? So Dipsy is an app full of sexy audio stories, and now they even have brand new written stories. So no matter what you're into or what turns you on, Dipsy helps bring the stories to life anytime, anywhere. Yeah, so instead of calling that crappy ex, you can have your own <laughs> fantasies about an ex that you don't have to actually call or anything else, someone you've never met before, maybe someone else from your hometown that you never even hooked up with. Um, they also have wellness sessions that help you wind down and explore and sleep sessions to help you drift off at night. And you need those when you're um, at home trying to sleep at your parents' <laughs> house, which is very hard. <laughs> and so the thing that we love about Dipsy, besides the fact that the app is really well-designed and easy to use, is that you can search by your sexy wheelhouse. So if you are, you're looking for queer stories, you're looking for sexy scientists, you're looking for a hunky firefighter, you're looking for someone with a cool accent, like an Irish brogue, you can listen to it. And the thing that I think is the absolute coolest is when you're listening to the audio stories, if you're looking at the bar where like the, 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 um, the sound bar of like, um, the whole, what the whole story looks like, uh, they highlight the sexy part with little mm -hmm. flames. So if you are just in the mood to get right to it, you can just skip to the flames part to listen to the sexy part. Or you can skip it over is, it. You, you have choices there. There's options. They're giving you it's options. true. It's, it's so fantastic if you are looking to dip your toe into the world of erotica and romance, but you're not sure where to start, or you're not sure what you like and you want to try out a bunch of different things without having to buy books or get them from the library. Dipsy is absolutely perfect for you. The, the audio production is absolutely top-notch. The narrators are incredible. It's just like the perfect app for erotica and romance fans or people who don't know if they're erotica or romance fans yet. Yeah, and you know what? For listeners of the show, you can figure out if you are because Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsy.com slash glasses. So that's 30 days of full access for free. So you can just try it out, see if you like it when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A, like C, like, like the ocean, uh, stories.com slash glasses. 
So that's dipsystories.com slash glasses. 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 Do you sometimes wonder whatever happened to the kids at your school who really loved Star Trek? You might remember a kid like me, the one who read the Star Trek novels and built starship models. I also took music classes to avoid taking gym classes that required showering after, but I don't see what that really has to do with- Or a kid like me. I introduced myself to kids at my summer camp one year as Wesley, but when the school year started and some of those kids were in my new class, I actually had to explain to my friends that I had tried to take on the identity of my favorite Star Trek character. The shame haunts me to this day. I'm sure some of those Star Trek fans from your childhood grew up to have interesting and productive lives, but we ended up being podcasters. On The Greatest Discovery, you'll hear what happens to two lifelong Star Trek fans who didn't grow up to be great people, but just grew up to be people who love jokes as much as they love Trek. Season four of Star Trek Discovery is here, so listen to our new episodes every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. This week, we're giving you one of our most requested episodes, novels about magical food, why do people love them so much, what are good magical food books to start with, and would we eat any of that magical food? (laughs) (laughs) So, Bria, this episode is all you. I I really sat down for like an hour when I was writing this episode, and I honestly don't think I've ever read a magical food book besides maybe Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, it's a good one. Um, which is definitely a magical food book, but it's also body horror. Um, and if you think about it, it's kind of a scary book if mm-hmm. you're a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why why do you think people love these books so much? Okay, I thought about this a lot because I feel like I'm speaking for the magical food people here. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to say like, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to be the, you know, I don't want to be the speaker for all of us, but I'm going to tell you my theories. For me, I like cooking and I like food. And I think there's a lot of things that are important about food and and a lot of cultural cultural identity is shaped around food. Um, I love going to new restaurants. When I go to a new city or a new uh, country, especially, I love going to the grocery store, the local grocery store in a new country. It's like one of my favorite things to do. But also when you travel, I love going to new restaurants because I think it, we do like to talk about local cuisine, right? We like to talk about the way um, uh, regionality is affected by food or food is affected by regionality. Like these things kind of play into each other. So I think it, there's a lot that we take away from the world when it comes to food. Like we, a lot of people, a lot of us understand the world through food. Um, and I think it's for it's a lot of people, it's a way of expression, right? It's a way of understanding other people, but the way we show who we are, where we're like, oh, I'm from this particular region, I'm going to make this type of food. Or I went to this place and I learned to make this type of food. It's kind of the way we start to understand, we see the world, right? Um, and yes, I'm f- food is also fuel, Mallory. I know it's f- fuel. <laughs> but I think it's also an expression of location. It's expression mm-hmm. of experience, of culture. And I also think it's related to a lot of memories for people and emotions. And I know you have this where you like go somewhere and you're like, oh, my God, we were there and we had the best pie or whatever. You know, like you like (laughs) think about that kind of stuff. So I think like I have it have a lot of food items um, connected to to memories and emotions. So it would make sense to me. 
that if that's if there's all these complicated feelings about food when it comes to like culture and identity and emotional uh, response, that we someone would take a book and center it around food, and the people would be like, yes, I'm interested in that because it's kind of like centering around something else that is also emotional, right? So yeah. like a piece of art or um, you know something else that people would have an emotional response to. The, the only one I can think of right now is um, you know I just read a book that had to do with theater class and. That's a like really strong memory for people. So, and I think it's kind of, it's it's like you're going. It's the same way you relate to that theater class book, but then you go and you can relate to this food book because you also love food. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was funny. There was a uh, uh, sort of like a meme going around on Twitter of like put put four photos of food that would tell people where you're from. Yes, and like pe- everyone was freaking out about it because like I posted um, beach pizza, um, apple cider donuts. Dunkin, a picture of a Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee <laughs> and then uh, Haji's ice cream. And everyone was like, I know exactly where you're from. And like, it was such, so there's like such spe- specificity to these foods and such memories. And as soon as I started looking for these photos, I was like transported back to Haverhill, Massachusetts. Oh my God. Mine would be like fried okra, a can of Dr. Pepper. Uh, like something from Dairy Queen, like a, some sort of Dairy Queen thing. Um, my veggie sub from Subway. Well, that would be me, but I'm trying to think of like things that show you where I'm um, from. Yeah, yeah. Yes, so it is like so personal. And like when, when you think about it, yeah. and for me, I think food feels creative in a lot of ways. Like you get a plate of food at a restaurant and you're like, oh my God, it's so pretty. Or like, look at this beautiful tomato at the farmer's market. So I think there is like some art, art, like something artistic about food. So it makes sense to me that people would write books about food. But then also I think when you think about it in like a cultural context, uh, I think there is so much about food that's so much more than fuel. So that's why I think people are writing books about food. Now, the magic part, I don't know. I think it's just that we are like, you know, I think there's part of me that wants food to be magic that I'm like, oh, if I only just ate the right thing in the morning, I'd have energy all day or something. But um, I think there's also just <laughs> finding that magic in everyday life is so interesting. So yeah, if it, it feels like maybe people already feel like food is magic, you know, is if you're eating it and you're transported back to this memory or you're transported yeah. back to this time or you're being comforted, like that is kind of magic in itself. And it may, or it makes your stomach, stomach poof out and you feel all gassy for a day. <laughs> like that's a little magic, <laughs> you know, like, if, like a food will affect you. It gives you acid reflux. You're like, wow, that food was able to affect my body in a way. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. I think there's just like, I, I think that it's ripe for magic and it's something we all are familiar with. But for me, a lot of times the food books that I end up be, being drawn to are books that aren't even, they're books that I I don't even really know that much about the food. Like I actually really enjoyed the um, uh, Erotica reread that had food in it because I didn't. Oh, yeah. You have read, that's not a magical one, but it is a food book. That was a foodie it's book. It's a horny food book. It was a horny food book. A horny foodie book. <laughs> <laughs> but that, you know what? Now that it was really fun re- reading about all like the stuff that they made. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, all right. So what are, besides horny foodies, what are some good magical food books that you would recommend? Because one of the things that we get emailed most about regarding this topic is what are some other ones that I should read? Well, I, I, I'm only, there's some I read when I was younger, but I haven't read them in a long time. So I didn't put them on this list. So I'm going to talk about some that I've read recently, um, 
Well, I'm going to just shout out to sourdough because I love to recommend that. Do people say like what besides the sourdough? Because that seems like the one I recommend the most by Robin Sloan. Yes. It's normally like I read sourdough because of Bria. What else should I read? Great. Y'all, if you haven't read this and you just tuned into this episode because you're like, I am interested in magical food, pick this one up because it's very much magical realism. Oh, here's the other thing I was going to say. The interesting thing about magical food books is they're very much in that wheelhouse of like our world, but different. Yeah, so that, which not, is another thing people love. Yeah, it's really like in space or in like whatever. If it's centered around magical food, it's here. It's like where we are now. So this book by Robin Sloan is a really great example because it's about a woman. She's fed up with her job. She gets this gifted, this sourdough starter and kind of like changes her life. And it's not like incredibly magical. It's very magical based in reality. And it's like- Magic even light. Be like, is, is it even magical or is she just changing her life kind of thing? Um All right, if you like that book, I got to recommend Natalie Tan's book of Luck and Fortune, um, which I think I talked about on the show, um, by by Roselle Lim. Um, It's about a woman who returns to her mother's restaurant in Chinatown after her mother dies, um, and she had a very complicated relationship with her mother. And this neighborhood that she's in is getting super gentrified, and she's like, I don't know what to do with myself at, at this point in her life. But then there's magical food stuff that starts to happen in the restaurant, and there's a love interest. And it made me, I was like, oh my God, I want Chinese food so bad. Like, cause it was just like, it, just like, <laughs> it was like, oh, and she's talking about dumplings, and she's talking about noodles. And it's like, it just made you, it was just really beautifully written, and uh, also cute love interest, which I enjoyed. And then, um, also, uh, shout out to Midnight Midnight at the Blackbird Cafe by Heather Weber, which is about a woman returning to her small town. Y'all know, I know y'all love small towns with secrets. Uh, this one is kind of that. Um, basically, her grandmother dies. Uh, she's about to go close down this restaurant that her grandmother uh, owned. And then something kind of tells her to stay there and make pies. <laughs> <laughs> and I Living realized the dream. when I was writing all the plots to these down, I was like, these plots all sound like the plots to a Hallmark movie. Like a lot of on them are, are someone's going home and they discover uh-huh. something about themselves through this like magical food. It's like a Hallmark movie with some like magical realism or something. And all the books are very female. Like I'm sure yes. there's some that aren't, but I have never read one. Um, yeah, folks, please send in your recommendations, but I am very interested now to, to see if there are any Hallmark movies that have magical food elements. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I know there's a few that came out this year that I'm going to try to read. I think Arsenic and Adobo came out this year, which is supposed to be. I don't, uh, I don't know if it's magical, though. So but I don't know if it's magical, but I know it's highly recommended. Yeah, people are saying it's good. It's a food. And honestly, for me, I do love a magical food book, but I also love a food book. Like if it just takes place in a kitchen, there's a, there's a lot of great books that are just have food or kitchen elements in them. And I'm also interested in those. You know, I think I would really love a book about magical drinks and cocktails, maybe a magical bar, Ooh. but I haven't found one that I liked yet. I actually have read a couple um, and they just like didn't do it for me. And so I'm definitely taking recommendations from listeners or honestly, like I just love any novel about bars or bartenders or cocktails um, that isn't like, oh God, someone's an alcoholic. They need to get help. But like, like I, because I wrote this episode, I literally just ordered a book called uh, Little Chapel on the River. That's like about a woman who ends up in a small town. <laughs> and, <laughs> Did someone die? Did someone die and no. she had to go home and take over something? Yes, actually. Oh my God. And she goes to this small town and ends up um, going to the local bar there that's run by this old man. And he's like the, like, 
does a lot for the community and like this bar becomes the set, like center of this little community. So I'm really excited to read that, but I am definitely tech, taking more recommendations from you listeners. Know, Mallory, the book I just read, All's Well by Mona Awad, um, sh- that one has a magical bar element in it. Really? And there is co- there are cocktail stuff in there. It's not the center of the story. I think you'd like this book regardless, but yeah, there is Ooh, a, a magical cocktail situation that happens that kind of changes everything, yeah. Oh, all right. Hold on. I'm putting putting that on my whole list. <laughs> Put that right on the list. Also, Mallory is going to ask you because when I was googling this, I, I does Dial A for aunties have magical food, or is it just like a food element? Because it comes up it's as a foodie book. It's definitely a foodie book, but there's no magical food element. But like the family's really into food. Um, one of the aunties, she um, is because uh, they all like are different parts of this wedding company and she makes all these like incredible cakes so there's some parts of like her creating this like absolutely ridiculously amazing cake mm. um yeah there's definitely if you are in if you like food books you will like dial a frontis got it uh so now the most important question mm-hmm. bria would you eat that magical food is there one in particular that you want to eat I mean, yes, all the time. I would eat all of it. Give me that magical food. Well, usually you eat it and something good happens. I'm sure there's like some books where the, something bad happens. But for the most part, it's like these happy things where it's like, oh, they people eat the food and they fall in love or they save the restaurant or, or something like that. Um, I also would be interested in eating food that doesn't exist that might be invented in a magical food book. I have to say one yeah. of the most disappointing times of my life was when I tried Turkish Delight, which turns out does exist, but I thought was not real forever and because of the Narnia books. You know, you, did you have the same experience? I never read the Chronicles of Narnia because oh. I, I feel like there's two pathways in life. Either you read Chronicles of Narnia because you come from a family that believes in God or yeah. you're a feral goblin child like me and you read Golden the Golden Compass ah, series. That's probably true. That's probably true. So I never read Chronicles of Narnia, but I do know about Turkish Delight and it's basically just like old people candy, right? Oh, it's so grody. I don't know. It's like a... It's someone's going to write and be like, I love Turkish Delight, but I, it's in my head. It was some delicious candy because they kept talking about it in Narnia. And I was like, this must be amazing. But then when I tried it, it is like a dried up. I don't know. It's nasty. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, like gel, like a, like a gelatin covered in powder. Yes. That's exactly what it is. It's disgusting. Uh, what about yeah, you, Mallory? Gross. Would you, would you eat the magical food? Probably not. Um, which is highly likely because the only magical food book I've ever read is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I would That's never totally eat anything fair. from there because don't do, don't, it would like don't turn me into a banana or something, yeah. like <laughs> some, something weird that I'm very weird about body horror and like things changing my body against my will, mm-hmm. which freaks me out. Um, and I'm already like really weird about food. Mm-hmm. I hate food. Um, <laughs> and put, <laughs> putting something magical in my body just seems really scary. Um, but the only thing I, I was racking my brain and the only thing I can think of is the Lembus bread from Lord of the Rings, oh. which is like the magical elf bread that like if you have a little crumb of it, it will like make you feel full and like right. for, for the whole day. That's cool. And they give it to the hobbits to like, wow. you know, for them to eat while they go into Moria. Um, Perfect for you. Into, uh, into Mordor. Um, and I would probably eat that. I, I guess I trust the elves, but not Willy Wonka. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I think <laughs> on the level of trust, like if someone pulled up and was like, get in the car and it was an elf, I'd be like, oh, okay. You'd be like, why is that elf driving a car? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if it was Willy Wonka, I'd be like, sir, I know how this one's Where are you taking end. me? 
<laughs> I'm going to end up a blueberry. I'm going to end up I floating can. to the top of some sort of thing or I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to be a blueberry. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, folks, please send your recommendations to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we look at some book tech, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Green Chef. Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh. And with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there's something for everybody. I love switching between these brands. And now listeners of Reading Glasses can enjoy both brands at a discount from us. So Green Chef makes eating well easy and affordable with plans to fit every lifestyle. That's what I thought was really cool about Green Chef. You could be like, are you vegetarian? Are you vegan? Are you keto? Are you gluten-free? They let you choose from a wide array of easy-to-follow lifestyles with plenty of options to choose from each week and select organic ingredients. The ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly proportioned, and mostly prepped so you can spend less time stressing and more time enjoying delicious home-cooked meals. Wow, what a perfect ad for this episode. Home-cooked meals. <laughs> oh my God, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> is wow. Green Chef magic? Uh, I mean, we lo- we were just talking about how important food is to your life, how important it is to to find like a way to experience life, to enjoy life, to spend time with other people. And Green Chef allows you to do that. What I really love about Green Chef, especially as a vegan-ish person, is that with a lot of meal plans that are for vegans, it's like, here's a bowl of broccoli, <laughs> here's a bunch of kale. And with Green Chef, they're like, actual good meals that are comforting and delicious. My favorite one is the vegan corn chowder recipe, which is so easy to make and so good. It's definitely by far my favorite. And you can personalize it. So it's a wonderful thing. We love it. Mallory, how can they get their discount? So all you have to do to get your own bowl of delicious vegan corn chowder or any of the other amazing meals that are available on the various meal plans with Green Chef, all you have to do is go to greenchef.com slash glasses125 and use code glasses125 to get $125 off, including free shipping. So that's greenchef.com slash glasses125 and code glasses125 to get $125 off, including free shipping. That's a lot of money off, an absolutely unmissable deal. You have to try it greenchef.com slash glasses125. Glasses125. Hi, it's Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun. It's the Thanksgiving season, and I want to take this opportunity to thank you, the members of Maximum Fun. This Max Fun Drive, your generosity and your love of pins helped us raise over $90,000 to help bridge the digital divide. Families without internet access struggle to do things that the rest of us might take for granted, especially during COVID. Going to school, applying for jobs, finding medical care. Your donations help the nonprofit Everyone On. They provide equipment, services, and training to get people online so they can access opportunity. You can find out more about the great work Everyone On does at everyoneon.org. Thanks for supporting Maximum Fun. Thanks for supporting Everyone On. And thanks for being awesome people who want to do good in the world. (laughs) 
Now let's look at some book tech advances in bookish technology. This week, we're testing out some bookmarks sent to us by Jennifer. She made these, which is so fucking cool. So what these bookmarks are is they look like a square fabric coaster. But they have a diagonal pocket that you slip the page you're on into and then you shut the book. So you kind of like... Uh, it, it looks sort of like a little hat for your page. <laughs> uh, <laughs> trying to figure out the best way to describe it for folks. And you, like you sl- slide it over the top. Um, so when you shut the book, you know, the edges of the, the, the bookmark stick out. We were extra excited to see that the fabric Jennifer made with these for us was cat and pumpkin patterned. Very, very appropriate for us. Uh, and Jennifer said that these bookmarks work particularly well with thick books. Uh, so Bria, what did you think? I thought these were very cute. Super cute. We'll put a link to these in uh, or a picture of these on our Instagram so you can see because it's kind of hard to describe. Yeah, it's almost like it's like the size of, yeah, it's the size of a coaster, I guess. You're right. Or like a little pocket square. Like when I pulled it out, I thought it was a pocket square. I don't know if pocket squares are actually square. I guess they're not. I guess they're handkerchiefs. That is weird. Oh, uh, yeah. Or are they squares? uh, I've never... Maybe they are squares. I've never used one before. Okay, I don't know. Okay, I can ask Jeremy. We're not the we're not the audience for pocket squares, but we are the audience <laughs> for, for fabric bookmarks. Um, I we think are. I think they're very cute um, and could work great for a book that you're like. You, here's here's where I think they work best for a book that you're reading like every day, but just a little bit. Like I mean, I think Jennifer is right that it's um. Uh, like a thick book, like a like a morning book, like um that you're reading on the coffee table or something like that, like something that you're not taking it in and out. And here's why: is that I think it takes or a poetry book. Maybe you're reading a poem yeah. every morning, like that'd be a really good one. Um, uh, because I think it takes the time commitment of getting it on and off is a is a little bit for me. You can't just yeah, shove no, it in there. No, there's no shoving. You could because if you shove, you will bend the page. Right. Right. So. Me being lazy and always in a hurry, which is a horrible, horrible combination of the way I live my life, <laughs> that, uh, that this book, this bookmark requires a little bit of a commitment, if you ask me. Yes. But it is very cute. And I think, yes, for your poetry book or something that you're reading every day, this could be completely perfect. What do you think, Mallory? Uh Agreed. Top marks for cute. Absolutely adorable bookmarks. Um, And I agree with you. I think this is the perfect bookmark for the book you keep like on your bedside table or coffee table. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because it does take more finagling to like stick your book, stick into your book than a regular bookmark does because you, again, have to stick the edge of the page into the pocket. But because it's made from fabric, it's pretty thick. And the what I like about it is the book falls right open to the right page. Sometimes if you're using a really thin bookmark, you have to kind of like, oh, that's you, like true. stick yeah. your hands, you're trying to like get, get it open. I love when a bookmark is thick enough that the book just falls right open to the right page. And this bookmark is perfect for that. Um, that being said, it's probably not the bookmark you want when you're traveling mm. or when your book is in a bag um, because it's at the edge of the page. Um, and not like in the uh, spine of the book, stuck into the spine of the book. Sure. So it could easily fall off, you think? Yeah. So I think it's a five out of five for a book that you're keeping on your bedside table, but a three out of five if you're traveling. Page, page, uh, what do we, page scale wise, I guess. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll agree with that. I didn't try, I didn't try taking it anywhere, but I could see that being a problem. But these are yeah, super but cute. It, Thank you for sending them. Yeah, they're absolutely adorable. And ba- what I've basically been using them for um, is that I, like, I keep a book by my bed and Jeremy and I both keep books on the coffee table that, you know, are like either literally coffee table books or just like 
um, books that were that are nonfiction that we're just sort of you know reading a little bit of it at a time. They're absolutely perfect. It's absolutely perfect for, for that. And again, just so cute. Yeah, so cute. Uh, so thank you, Jennifer. We'll post photos of that on our Instagram. Uh, and if you want to send your book ideas to us, you can send them to Reading Glasses Podcast or gmail.com or check out our wish list. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, Bria puts a bunch of stuff on our, our wish list all the time. People send it to us and we love to test it out. There's all kinds of stuff on there. Uh, candles, book tech, snacks, all sorts of things um, in, in a lot of different price ranges. And again, if you're looking for the show notes, just go to MaximumFun.org. There is a page, a web page for every single episode that we do with all of the links to everything we talk about, all the books we mention on that page. Really easy. Um, like the other day, someone was like, hey, didn't you guys do a episode about reading tracking and I literally googled reading glasses podcast book tracking and the episode page came up (laughs) very easy very easy to find uh, especially now that Bria has been putting in um, tags for all of the the episodes very easy to search Um, so yeah check that out Now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Alex writes in, I have an idea and I'm hoping to get some feedback. Often when I read a book that has a big impact on me, I go out and buy a second copy so I can have it on hand to give away. In the last year though, two things have happened. I've read a few own voices books that have inspired me so much I want to share them more widely and I've become significantly more financially stable. My idea is to set up a free little library type thing but limited stock to only a few copies of each of these books that have had such an impact on me. So whenever I read something that gives me that I wish I'd read this sooner feeling, I can just buy a few copies new from my local indie and throw them in there. Is it offensive to limit my stock to only these books I feel passionately about and not take donations? How do I get over the imposter syndrome telling me that I have absolutely no right to curate a a collection like this? Is there a better way to more widely impact my community with these books? Bria, what should Alex do? First... This is very nice, Alex. And I love that Alex is like, I can afford this and I'm going to be doing it, which is wonderful. You want to help your community. I think it's amazing. I love our listeners, Mallory. I know. It's, this, this is definitely like a very specific reading glasses problem. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. So what I think you may run into is the problem of a societal understanding of a little free library. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so I think like, okay, there's a new one I just clocked in my neighborhood and I was like, Oh, I'm about to take some books over there. Literally, like like a few hours later, I went over and put a bunch of books in there because we always have so many extra books here at the house. Um, and I just don't know how you'll be able to say, like, no donations. Like, I think people are going to put books in it. Mallory, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, right? even if we know how, how bad people are at reading signs. Yeah. <laughs> people are going to put books in this library, whether you like it or not. I think I had a suggestion. I think maybe if you... If you have two shelves, which they usually do have two shelves, and like one is like a leave one, take one sort of mentality, you know, people can do whatever they want. And one you could label curated by owner. And like, you're still going to have to pull books out of there that people are just leaving in there. But I think you're going to have to do that anyway. But I think people will get it. I think if you write no donations, it might scare people into not coming over there at all. That would be my fear is I'd be like, well, I'm just not going to stop by because like part of the little free library exchange for me is that I go and I drop and then I look at what's there and then I'm like, I will take one because I just dropped one. Um, And I think, I mean, look, if there was a little free library on my street and it was like, here's the books I'd like to share with the world. I might understand it. I'd be pretty stoked. I'm just saying there might be a, um, you're going to have a, 
a little bit of a jump for people to understand like what your goal is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because, yeah. Do you feel like the same, Mallory? Because maybe library is the wrong term because uh, library implies the idea of checking in, uh, sort of the exchange. Because library, a library is sort of like a, a multi-way system, you know, whereas sure. this is basically more like a little free bookstore. Right. It's like free books. Yeah, yeah. Library, with libraries, you bring the books back, mm-hmm. um, you know, and maybe maybe some people might get it, but I think the idea, maybe library is the wrong term. It's tough because, so my thing is one, Alex, it's your little free library. It's your library. You can cry if you want to, like do whatever you want. Seriously, unless you're filling it with like trash baby books or like instructional manuals on how to murder people, you're fine. You can put whatever you want in there. You're not a government institution. You're not a local library. You're just sharing books that you love and that's awesome. Uh, you don't have to feel guilty for curating it in a certain way or only putting books that you want in there. It's literally your box of books on your property. Um, that being said, uh, to your point, Bria, Alex, if you're looking to widen your impact in the in the community, I suppose it depends what you mean by community. If you mean by your neighborhood, like, yeah, you're doing great. Um, you can even like, I don't know, maybe start a local book club about these books. Um but if you're looking to widen that impact and maybe get the book into the hands of someone that might really need it, you can see if your local school needs donations for YA books um, or in their library for teens. Um, this this uh, request was originally a little bit longer and I trimmed it out. And uh, one of the books that Alex said uh, was a big one that uh, to put in the library was Cemetery Boys, which is like um, a great YA book um, with trans representation in it. And I think maybe donating a copy of Cemetery Boys to your local school library might do more good than putting it in a little free library because that way you know maybe just one teen is getting it from your the box on your lawn. Whereas if you donate it to a library, a bunch of teens in that school can like in perpetuity or at least, you know, however long that book lasts, can read it and enjoy it. And, you know, it can have a big impact, do a lot of good. Um, also, if, if, if Alex is looking to, um, to uh, further widen the impact, pay attention to what's going on with your local library board. There's a lot of ways to do bookish good in your community. A lot of libraries have like the friends of the whatever library yeah, totally. that have a board that do a lot of fundraising and may help make decisions about what's going on. We talked about this um, Uh, I think a listener wrote in a while ago to say like things that we can do to help make libraries, you know, less racist and less homophobic. And um, I know it's something that I've been looking into up in the mountain community that I live in. Um, I've heard tales of um, the local library not like doing it, not doing a spread for Pride Month because Mm -hmm. there's a lot, there's a really big like anti-LGBTQ presence in this community. So of course my first thought was like, how can I get on that board? (laughs) (laughs) How can I get these books to these kids? Um, So maybe stuff like that. Yeah, and I think that um, uh, that is almost better than the donating a book. People can write in because I'm not sure... I tried to donate some books to the library and they were like, we are not taking books right now because uh, of COVID. Um, so yes. that that might be hard to do at this moment, but you could always call around and see. Yeah. Or donating the book to like a local, like um, sort of boys and girls center or LGBTQ. Oh, like, like that's a really good group, idea. You know, something like that. Like, you know, donating like those kind of books to those groups would be really cool. 
Yeah, I was thinking, because I think everything is, is library by library, because when, when Jeremy and I moved earlier this year, I sent, because um, Ale- our, our friend Alex Brown uh, is a teen librarian, and I sent them a huge box of books that, um, of YA books that weren't coming with us in the move, Ooh. and Alex picked through them, picked what they wanted, and um, and now they're in that the the library for the school that they work for. That's cool. Um, so ask around, and again, when it comes down to it, Alex Again, it is your little box of books. Do whatever yeah. the fuck you want with it. You you feel no guilt. Again, unless you're doing like murdering kittens 101 and filling the box with it, there's no shame in putting the thing the books that you think um would help uh, a teen or, or anybody reading them into that box. But if you're looking to really maximize your impact, there's probably a better way to go about it. Yeah, yeah, but it'll cost think, less money. I think I think it is interesting. I think it is interesting though to have like a curated box of books on a street and be like, "Here's my curated box of books." Like I do think that is kind of that is interesting, but it's just going to take some community education to get people to understand what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, because I, I I just feel like I think you're right. I think Alex's going to come out one morning and it's going to be stuffed with like old National Geographics. Absolutely, something. it is. Absolutely, <laughs> it is. Um, and I just don't know if you want to be the evil person who like blocks the books from your from your box. I feel okay, like people, so funny story. Will not I like will it. not reveal the the identity of this friend of mine who uh, who's dealt with this, but a, a very close friend of mine's uh, parent has a little free library on their property and was so grumpy about people taking too many books or not take or putting the wrong books in there that they put they locked it up and have it under surveillance so it looks like a little <laughs> little jail a little jailed library it's like the it, it like there's signs the all over out? it that like smile you're on camera like only certain they have like put a lock on there and have only given the code to like the, the people in this community Facebook group or something like that. It is so ridiculous. Wow. It's like one of the funniest things high, I've ever heard in my entire life. security little free library. It's so stupid. Um, it's absolutely ridiculous and awful. Um, and I don't think Alex strikes me as the person who would never, ever want to do something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if 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 you folks have, if especially the librarians, I know we have a lot of librarians who listen to this show. So if you have any ideas on in the way that uh, Alex can uh, widen the community bookish good, please send them to us. Uh, send it to Reading Glasses Podcast at gmail dot com, and also of course send us all your book problems. We love solving them. Uh, as always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy Reading Glasses tote bag shirts, stickers pillows over at our void merch store a lot of folks are really excited because jordan over at void merch just created a non-swearing version of our libraries are fucking awesome shirt jordan and it now so says nice. uh we love working with jordan so much but the the shirt now says uh libraries are flipping awesome and there's um you can get that design on a bunch of things t-shirts uh and various styles sweatshirts uh i know that as soon as we announced it a bunch of folks went out and bought it um and we've already actually seen some glassers wearing it uh and people are very excited especially because they we got a few librarians who bought it and like mm-hmm. hey i can wear this to work now because it doesn't have a swear on it <laughs> uh so check that out in the show notes if you like the show and you want to get us something nice the holidays are coming up you're making your your holiday list of gifts to give to people and you're like oh my friends Mallory and Bria what should I get them for Christmas the thing that you can get us is a five-star review on either Apple Podcasts or uh, wherever you listen to podcasts if there's reviews there really makes a huge difference for us Um, I think we're almost up to 
1300 now, Whoa. which is really, yeah, it's really, really exciting. It's really, really cool. And truly, folks, I know we say this every every episode, besides making us feel good about ourselves, it really has a financial benefit for us. So it's something that you can do for free for us that actually helps us get more advertisers and helps us feed our weird little creatures that live in our homes. Uh, if you, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for reading. reading.